1: Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get
2: started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk
3: has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. Hey everyone, it's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday at podcast1.com and iTunes. Thank you for downloading and streaming and listening. It is always appreciated. Hope everybody had a great 4th of July in the U.S. If you were celebrating, I had a, a bit of a vacation week this week, getting back to work on Monday, but still... Always like to deliver you a brand new podcast, and that's what we're exactly doing on this post day of a Thursday. And it's a good one, too. Uh, don't forget, if you are going to be shopping on Amazon, be sure to do it at Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. And, um, of course, the big news since I last posted a podcast was the debut of Trunk Fest, my brand new TV show on Access TV for those that watched and DVR'd. Thank you for doing so. Remember, there are brand new episodes every Sunday night. So be sure to check it out on Access TV every Sunday night. At 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time Be sure to DVR Be sure to watch And I greatly thank you for doing so This week's episode is from New Orleans And my coverage of Voodoo Fest Which was really a lot of fun It was the uh, first time I'd been to New Orleans In a really long time It's one of two episodes in the first season of Trunk Fest Originating from New Orleans Such a great city Had such a great time I hope you like this week's episode It does feature interviews with Prophets of Rage and also with Taylor Hawkins of Foo Fighters. So again, Trunk Fest, just because we debuted last week, please don't forget to watch every Sunday night, DVR every Sunday night, 9.30 Eastern, repeats throughout the week. We want to make sure you guys watch those premieres on Sunday nights. I greatly appreciate your support. And uh, hey, listen, a few things coming off of the debut episode of Trunk Fest just to address right here. Obviously, as I said consistently, the show has absolutely nothing to do with that metal show. It is a completely different type of TV show, as you can see. And, of course, as I have also consistently said, thank you to all those who consistently ask me about that metal show. If there is a new home for that show, we will indeed do it again tomorrow. It's a question of finding a new network. Also... For those that ask about streaming options for Access TV, I have nothing to do with that. I understand that some of you guys get it. I understand there are some carriers that unfortunately do not carry it. The streaming outlet for it is Sling TV, so that might be something you want to look into if you don't have it on your systems. A lot of people have Access TV on their systems. However, it's not on the basic tier. You got to pay up and buy an additional higher-end package in order to get it. And again, I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money, but in addition to my show, there's a ton of great music programming on there. So before you just say, oh, I don't get the channel, and there are some systems that just don't carry it. I know that. Check and call your carrier because there may be a different package that has it included. It's AXS TV, Access TV. Also, you can go to AXS.TV to find out more information about seeing the channel. But I know I've heard from a ton of people about, you know, why isn't there streaming, where isn't there an app, where isn't there... I don't have anything to do with it, you guys. I uh, simply host the show, and I'm proud and honored to do so, and I thank you for watching it, those that can and do. But I have nothing to do with the... Uh, distribution of access TV and how people get it but I certainly hope you do or find a way to because it is certainly worth doing so and the final comment that I got a lot of people uh, you know just, just looking at the feedback from the first episode from Sturgis airing is that the show should be an hour long I happen to agree with you on that uh, but I don't make those decisions but I do I, you know this has been deja vu for me because when I first started doing that metal show I had to tell a lot of my audience what VH1 Classic was, where to find it, how to find it, how to get it. And then in the first few seasons of that metal show, people were screaming that they wanted the show to be an hour when it was a half an hour. And I was right with you. I did too. And eventually the show did become an hour. So I don't make the decisions. I I don't make the call here. I hear you loud and clear. I appreciate you wanting a longer show. I'd love for it to be an hour show. It's not. It's not my call. I'm just happy to be doing it, and I'm glad you watch it. If you keep supporting it and you keep watching it, who knows what happens on all fronts. So thank you for doing so. Just wanted to, like I said, address a few things that I heard from a ton of people about the premiere of TrunkFest on access and a tremendously overwhelmingly positive reaction but i did want to address those few things that were you know that i heard people talking about and asking about of course it's not that metal show i have no control of how however how access tv is distributed and i agree that one day i would like to see it be an hour show but it is not my call that being said it's a blast to do And I hope that if you guys keep watching it, I keep doing it and cover a lot more festivals going forward. This week on Sunday night, 9.30 Eastern, Voodoo Fest in New Orleans. Next up on the eight-episode season premiere, series premiere of Trunk Fest. Those new episodes, again, every Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Just got back from South Florida, hosted Poison and Cheap Trick there. Had a great time, and that was the final show of their tour, so those guys are done now. It'll be interesting to see what Poison does. And Cheap Trick, you know what they're going to do. They continue to make new music just about every year and continue to tour. They are simply amazing, the juggernaut they still are at this point in their career I am completely convinced. Robin Zander made a deal with the devil. EddieTrunk.com is my website. All my appearances are there. Be sure to follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Eddie Trunk, and what? A, and of course, uh, Sirius XM Volume. I'm on vacation this week. I'm back live on June 9, uh, July 9th, rather, and on every day live two to four Eastern on 106 volume with trunk nation replaying every night 9 to 11 p.m eastern that of course on sirius xm radio where the er, the interviews you hear on this podcast originate from and appearances in the month of july include july 13th tulsa idl ballroom july 28th tulsa IDL Ballroom. The 13th is Dockin. The 28th is a free show with Bisto Blanco. Hope to see you there if you are in Tulsa at the IDL. And uh, that's it for all the public appearances that I'm doing. I've got other travel in July. I'm going to be in Denver for a little bit, shooting the 8th episode of Trunk Fest, as a matter of fact, in Wyoming towards the end of the month. So we're still shooting, actually, some episodes of the show. But that's... Uh, the, those are the two for July. As usual, all of my confirmed appearances on the homepage of com. One other note the, uh, well, two quick things. That I don't know if I mentioned this last week. I am going on tour with Deep Purple throughout Mexico. That is just crazy for me to even say, but I'm doing almost the entire month of November in Mexico. 10-date Mexican tour from Deep Purple, and I will be at all the shows introing the band saying hello to some fans. That's really exciting news. That is happening in November. So for all the great Mexican fans out there who I hear from, I am coming your way to all of those cities with Deep Purple in November. Hope to see you soon. Also... The Hair Nation tour that is presented by Sirius XM featuring Jack Russell's Great White, Enough's Enough, and Bullet Boys. I will be hosting seven of those shows. Contrary to what some people have said, I am not on every date on that tour. The cities as of now that I will be in, the only cities on the Hair Nation tour are Anaheim, Los Angeles, Vegas, Phoenix, New Jersey, Philadelphia and Houston. I can no longer do the Dallas date because I have to get to Mexico for this Deep Purple tour. So those are the seven. As usual, all of my confirmed appearances and any revisions and any changes, the place to go is the homepage of com. They are listed right there. Okay, let me get you to our interview this week because it's a double dip and it's killer. Sammy Hagar, first up. In an interview that made a lot of news, every time Sammy is on with me, he always gives me some great stuff, and this interview was no exception. It made news all over the rock community last week. Sammy Hagar called into my XM show to talk about a new festival that he's doing in October, and then also revealed that he invited David Lee Roth to play at the festival, and also revealed that... He reached out to Alex Van Halen and got no response about the 40th anniversary of the band. This was a big one. A lot of people were buzzing about this. Sammy Hagar first up. Then an interview with a guy you probably wouldn't expect me to be talking to, but I had a great conversation with him Rick Springfield. I hosted a private event in Austin, Texas a few weeks ago. Rick Springfield was one of the artists that played. We had a great conversation. You'll hear that second. And the reason I put these two together is because Rick Springfield, And Sammy Hagar have a very, very, very significant bond. The huge Rick Springfield hit, I've Done Everything For You, was written by, in case you didn't know, Sammy Hagar. Sammy even recorded that song, did not have a hit with it. Rick Springfield recorded the song, which again, Sammy wrote. And Rick had a massive hit with it. So I thought it'd be fun to put that together. That is brought up in the Rick Springfield interview. I think I bring it up with Sammy as well. And uh, these interviews were done at separate times, of course, but still a nice kind of connection to tie them together. So first up, Sammy Hagar. Second, Rick Springfield. A great double dip on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. We'll get it started with the Red Rocker next. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. hey let me tell you guys about underwear yes underwear you heard me right you know everybody needs it and new underwear is better than old you know the deal they got to be comfortable so you should get some me undies i have these me undies they are great i know you don't want to be thinking about me and my underwear but seriously we all wear underwear right you want them to be comfortable no moving around these come right to your door. You're going to like them. I'm telling you. They, I, I am being straight with you on this. They are super soft. They are super comfortable. And this is a no-risk offer. If you're not happy, you'll get a refund, the cost, and you get to keep the underwear. So you have nothing to lose. And because you're listening to me, you'll get 15% off your first pair and free shipping. Here's all you got to do. You go to meundies.com slash my last name, Trunk. That's meundies.com slash Trunk. M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash Trunk. And here's an extra gift for you. Order a pair, take a screenshot of your transaction, send it to me, and you'll get another pair. You get one for 15% off, then another pair for free. The first 25 people to send a proof of purchase, a screenshot of your purchase, or of the receipt, you'll get another pair free. Just send your proof to gift at podcastone.com. Put trunk in the subject line, and you'll soon have another pair in your collection. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Let's do this. You're going to love it. They're amazing underwear. You're talking a couple pair here for like nothing, and if you don't like it, you get all your money back. It's MeUndies.com slash trunk. MeUndies.com slash trunk. Get that first pair and then go to gift at podcast1.com. Put trunk in the subject and you'll get that other pair for free. MeUndies.com slash trunk. You cannot beat that deal. You can't beat these underwear, folks
2: everyone's favorite housewife is back and she's ready for round two step into Heather DeBros' world now twice a week on podcast one I loved it Heather's bringing you more of what you love like YouTube's GloZell and
1: now you got a beautiful healthy yes. little yes, she's girl healthy. who's she... gonna hate you in 13 years <laughs> and you're gonna go do you know how much I paid for you roll the tape <laughs> roll the tape do you
4: see
2: check out Heather DeBros' world every Thursday and Friday at podcast one and Apple Podcasts also remember to rate and review
3: hey be sure to check out no excuse with john taffer shut it down listen to john the award-winning hospitality legend as he brings his straight talk and unapologetic approach to daily topics and current events you don't want to miss his latest interview with adam carolla so download no excuses every tuesday on podcast one podcast one.com and apple podcasts also remember to rate and review
1: this is the eddie trunk podcast
3: All right, we're back with the Eddie Trunk Podcast. And first up, my conversation with Sammy Hagar that made news all over the rock world. This took place about a week ago. Like all the interviews, it's courtesy of my serious XM show, Trunk Nation, heard live on Volume, Channel 106, daily, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. He's always a blast to talk to, one of my favorite people. Ladies and gentlemen, we take it away with Sammy Hagar. The great Red Rocker, Mr. Sammy Hagar. How are you, brother?
1: Oh, Eddie, you're cracking me up. You go, oh, man. You know what? I am, though. I'm definitely coming into your world over there. I see how, how you know, like you're famous. Like I walk around with you, and people instead of going, hey, there's Sammy Hagar, they go, hey, there's Eddie Trunk. And I'm going, <laughs> man, how did he get more famous than me? And then I figured it out. Your, you know, TV exposure and radio exposure, you know, you're, you're everywhere.
3: Hey, I haven't so, told you this yet, but I just started making rum, man. Forget it. I'm, I'm really coming. <laughs> <in>. <laughs>
1: there you go. Well, and tequila
3: and everything out. else. <laughs> yeah. Because I want to have my own. I want to have my own plane like you, Sammy. I don't want people to say, "There's Eddie Trunk." I want people to say, "There's Eddie getting on his private plane with Sammy."
1: <laughs> there goes Eddie Trunk. There his goes. Plane. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> Sitting in that. Cabo okay, on ball. the
3: beach with you, man. That's what I'm trying to do.
1: Well, Eddie, are you going to cover? my 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 high tide beach party are you going to cover it with your tv show on access tv your festival yep. show you have to
3: I was talking about this before you came on the air I mean look at this you and I both doing tv shows for the same network I got to tell you Sammy I I only got access TV on my cable provider a year ago, so I finally i 've watched almost every episode of what you 're doing there on rock and roll, rock and roll road trip and honestly man, from the heart it 's so good it 's so good what you 're doing 're obvi- I know you, you always have fun, whatever you do, and you and I share the same producers and stuff, and I know that you know they, they tell me how much fun they have with you so i 'm so happy for you, man, because that thing is really humming and, and you 've really done a great job with it.
1: Well, thank you. I got to tell you, you know, when I was uh, um, a young, handsome rock star, you know, in my late 30s <laughs> and 40s, right, I just was scared to death of cameras, man. If you turned a camera on me as soon as that little red light went on where you say, boy, they're filming now, I turned into a different guy. I could not be myself. I was faking it. I tried to put on airs like I was, hey, woo, hey, everybody, hey, you know, look at me, hey, you know, I, I can jump high, you know, and I would just start doing all this stupid shit like most Most rock stars do when you put them in front of a camera. They get nervous. I don't care what they tell you. They get nervous. That's why everybody's always putting their fists in the air and clinching, making these faces and stuff. But now that I'm old and ugly, I don't care, (laughs) and I get in front of the camera, and I can be myself. And that's why the damn show's good, because I'm on there. I'm just saying, hey, man, I'm here with Roger Daltrey. And and who else would ask Roger Daltrey, when was the last time you beat Pete Townsend's ass? (laughs) who else would say that to him
3: (laughs) and and that's it and and you can say that because you're you know I watched the one just recently where you're talking to Paul Rogers you're on the cruise ship I mean you you these guys you have such they have such a respect for you you're obviously still a fan you're talking to a guy like Paul Rogers I mean obviously as a singer that's the singer singer right there and that comes through in you which is so cool (laughs) so it's really it's really great to see I'm glad I finally have the channel and I can see all the stuff you're up to and then and now I can see my own show too when it starts this sunday
1: yeah well you you're you're a natural at this stuff too because you've been interviewing people on radio and i noticed with you see now i'm gonna kiss your butt for a minute but i did notice that when you are are doing your ads just for the for the festival things and all that see you're real comfortable too just because to you you're just on the radio you you know you're talking to the people the same way and that comes across you know most people when they try to interview somebody i think that when i watch an interview most people have done all this research. And they're just asking them questions that they know that you can find on the friggin' internet, you know. So, right. but when I talk to somebody, and I know when you talk to someone, you're talking to them coming from a fan place. Like you're going, I want to, kn- I want to know this about John Mellencamp. I want to know what the fuck he does on his time off, you know? Because yeah. he don't, he's a private guy. You never hear any gossip of, oh, John Mellencamp was seen at you know CBGBs in New York, you know? Not, right. a, not a chance, right? So I say, John, what do you like to do on your time off? Nothing. Well, oh, really? Well, what pisses you off? Everything. <laughs> like, you know, you get answers like that at guys like like that when you ask them a real question, like from real what I want to know. I want to know things about these guys, you know. So, anyway, I know that's our secret, and now we just let it out of the bag. Now, anyone can do our shows, and right. you and I will be out of business in no time. Exactly. You know, Mellencamp's
3: yeah, yeah. Nickname, you know what Mellencamp's nickname is, right?
1: Yeah, the little bastard.
3: Yeah, <laughs> he, didn't, he
1: earned that, man. I asked him about that. I forget what he said, but it got edited out. I don't remember seeing it on this show <laughs>
3: and that's saying something considering access is uncensored so you know oh, he must yeah, have said something right it's there
1: that's another good part of it but Eddie well no, tell you what uh, man maybe the there's I a chance maybe
3: there's a chance for some synergy there Sammy because you've got this festival which we're going to talk about and yeah. I've got a new show covering festivals on access so it would seem like our long-awaited tv moment together could possibly collide right there for the high tide beach party and car show which sounds <laughs> yeah, amazing man
1: it, the Eddie and Sammy show, you know, the, like one combination all together, you know, for the TV. You know, they could roll both of our shows together on this one, man. This is what I'm talking about.
3: They so, could save some money on production. Got we got concept. the same producer.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but what do you think about it? Come on, I need a trunk. I need the trump the trunk check of approval. Am I doing the right thing, or, or should I just go like all the rest of the other thing and call it a rock festival?
3: No, I, I mean, know, it's I a think...
1: Beach party right.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I know you, and you are you are a party man, and you are the real deal. And to me, it screams of beach, and I think the car angle you're bringing into it. That's what I'm curious about. Now, just to give people the rundown on this thing, this is October 6th, Huntington Beach, California, Sammy Hagar in the Circle, the high tide beach party and car show. We get the beach aspect of it, and we'll run down some of the other acts. But tell me about the car angle, because I know you're a big car guy. Tell me what's going to go on there.
1: Well, it started off by I wanted to make this just reek of the beach. So first thing I thought, well, let's have a, you know, what else can we add? Can we add a surf championship or can we add a uh, maybe a surfboard display? Or, or maybe then I said, oh, what about woodies? You know, like there's probably a lot of great old woodies, you know, 49 Ford Woody or something with surfboards on it that we could get a woody club to bring down all these woodies. You know, something just to give you. You know, you get tired of watching music for a minute, or you go jump in the ocean, because the ocean's right there. I mean, you can go into water and still see the band. It's just like, it's it's all good. But, uh, you know, and then maybe just go walk around, get a couple tacos, a couple drinks, maybe look at some cars. Uh, so I'm just trying to make it like a, an all-day-at-the-beach kind of thing. And then, so then next thing I know... Mikey's, who's got a great car collection, I got a great car collection. We're all going. Oh, we'll just bring our cars down, and so and so saying, Oh man, hey, I'll bring my cars down. So now we're going to get Jay Leno to bring some of his cars. So now we're going to have a real car show. I mean, the, the the parking for this event is is stellar. It's like anybody that's ever been to Huntington Beach down Highway One. You pull directly off the beach. Into a parking lot. Get out of your car, and your feet are damn near in the sand. It's you know they got parking for miles, so we're just going to fill it up with some beautiful cars. Not fill it up, but you know, and, and people are going to have easy parking, easy access to the the festival. Uh, back, get, get back in your car when the day's over. Pull right onto the road, and you're you're on your way home. It's going to be so cool. You know, I'm I don't know, I'm I'm excited.
3: Well, you, you should be. Me I want. mean, I, I, you should be, man. I mean, I think it's a cool idea. There, you know, doing this, doing my show, this, this festival show for Access that I'm doing, Trunk Fest. That's the thing. As I travel around there, and I'm going to all these festivals around the country. There's more of them than ever. But the thing I'm finding, Sammy, is that they all are wanting to bring in this extra element beyond just the music. Sure, people want to see the bands, but maybe you want to, as you said, drift away, take a break. Maybe there's somebody that's not your thing a little bit. Find those other things to do. With this, you can jump in the ocean. You can go check out yeah. some cars. I mean, you're you're building some other stuff into it, which is really cool.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, no, really. I'm going to have a little cobble booth, you know, not a little a big old cobble-wobble uh, booth. We're going to be making tacos, man, you know, uh, carnitas tacos, uh, chicken tacos, shrimp tacos, just like in the streets in Cabo, you know, margarita stand, uh, of course, beach bar rum stand. We're, it's just going to be everything I reek of, every, everything that I do. You know, my cars will be there, other people's cars. You know, when it's like when you think of, of inventing something, you know what I mean? Like the only way you can make it original is by doing just what you want to do. You know, you can't take everybody else's opinion. You know, what do you think? And have this guy over here. Okay, you put your two cents in. Pretty soon, it's watered down, and it doesn't smell or taste like one specific thing. This thing <laughs> is full blown Sammy. And you know, going back to like you said, cars, having the you know the cars involved. It's like that's that's where I started, man. I can't drive fifty five, all that kind of stuff. It's it's car, car, car. You know.
3: So, well, cars and beach cars and, and, beach, uh, and tacos, the booze and everything. Blues, there you go, tacos. And yeah. Roll.
1: Hello. Yeah. Bathing suits required. By the way.
3: Yes. <laughs> Sit, and time. you got. Uh-uh. Let's <laughs> let's run down let's run down some of the musicians you have. Of course, you and the Circle are going to play, which of course is Michael Anthony and Jason Bonham and Vic Johnson. You, you, and then you've got. Uh, I guess you're going to plug in Sach and Vince Neil a little bit, as well as some other special guests.
1: Yeah, Vince will come out with us and do a few uh, crew songs and some other people too, but just that they haven't 100% confirmed, so we had to make the announcement, so we just had to put the the 100% confirmed, and uh, Satch is going to come out, and he'll play, you know, maybe Satch's Boogie and Surfing with the Aliens, and then we'll bust into some Chicken Foot for, you know, as long as, uh, see how many of those songs we can remember, (laughs) and and the circle will do our thing, of course, and then, um, you know, REO, I think some people are going to come out and play with REO, that's uh, what's going on right now, there's, some people asking me that I, I, I don't want to say who yet. I'm not trying to be funny. You know, just you know, I don't want to give people the uh, wrong impression that somebody's going to be there and they're not, and then they don't show. But there's some people calling me up saying, hey, man, can I come and do a couple songs with you? I said, well, you can't, because I can only play a couple hours. You know, I mean, I don't want to be up there three hours and, and screw somebody else's time up. So um, REO said, oh, yeah, well, they can jam with us. So I'm going, oh, that'd be great. So it's just going to be like the birthday bash on steroids, you know, it's just going to be uh, a lot of people popping in and out, and the other bands on the show are all fun, fun, fun. Like Trey Cool's band, The Dead Mermaids. First of all, I'd go see The Dead Mermaids just because of that name on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> right? The Dead right. Mermaids. I mean, that's right. horrible. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> smelly old dead mermaid on the beach. Well, these guys are they're a metal band. Trey Cool, the drummer from Greta, he's he's the front man. He's the singer in the friggin' band. So... He took me around last week. We were in Huntington Beach, and he was taking me around to all these clubs and showing me all these punk bands and these metal bands and ska bands that are local. And and I'm just looking for a couple more bands like that that are just pure party, pure local, you know, just belong on the beach. And and that's what it is. You know, we're going to try to keep the leather... The leather pants and the studs and the and the, you know, the <laughs> chains and stuff and the big old boots and all that. We're going to try to keep them guys out of this thing. You know, we, we can't have guys up there in leather playing on the beach and getting <laughs> hot and passing out you know
3: what i mean <laughs> I, i'm with you man i go i go i host a lot of cruises and i go to a lot of these rock events outside in the summertime and i see people and i'm like damn they are committed to the look it's 110 and they got the leather and the jacket and i was like god i'm sweating just looking at you man you're like me you know you either, you just, man, we're simple guys
1: god, when, I, when i did the the the, the, the uh, my Debut uh, rock third season road trip was for the Kansas City uh, Rock Festival at Rockfest. And man, they had some of the metal guys over there. And I was saying, dude, it's like 105 degrees. You're going to die. Man. <laughs> 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 but anyway, it's all good. We're going to have so much fun. I'm telling you. And it's, it's just, just going to be a blast, man.
3: October 6th, so Huntington Beach. Right Eddie,
1: come on, talk to me, Chief. Now, see, I'm going to interview you. Who do you think is the coolest? young coming up metal or just hard rock band. or
3: rock or, or rock band i'll give it to you right i'll give it to you instantly
1: the Who? struts
3: the struts. struts have you seen the struts
1: no the struts
3: S T R U T S. it's like a it's like queen it's like a young they're a british band they're based in la though now like a young queen and they have been opening for Foo Fighters. They've been, they're currently oh, out opening man. for Foo Fighters. Grohl loves them. Taylor loves them. They are the most fun band. They appeal to everything from rock to pop to hard rock. Uh, you, you hear their songs in one second. They stick in your head like glue. Great hooks. Just a fun, great, the singer is a star. He can, as, as a matter of fact, Dave Grohl in an interview last week just said the best band he's ever had open for Foo Fighters is this band.
1: Oh man, now that's pissing me off because I know they're probably going to be playing with him that day somewhere, and that's going to make me mad because I was just thinking, see, I want, I want one more band like that. Oh,
3: they'd so, be great on this. They're well, such a fun band. Them. I don't but care I, I what can, he's I'll... paying
1: him, I'll double it. I'll double it. <laughs> just tell him, hey, if, if he's giving him like five dollars, I'll give him ten.
3: <laughs> well, check them out. Check them out first before you make your offer. Make sure you like them. But if you need a contact, let me know. I'll, I'm happy to do that because they're no, I they're a really really cool. Band. Up, when
1: we hang up, you send it straight to myself. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm definitely looking for a band like that, and I'm going to go listen to them. But I just your your recommendation is 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 me. You know me, man. I, come on, we like the same stuff. We yeah. when, when was the last time we argued about you know who is the best singer in Van Halen or something like that? <laughs> We never had had an argument about that.
3: Hey, by the way, along by the way, along those lines, Sammy, I didn't want to. I didn't want to pull you into this at the time that I did it because I just didn't. I just wouldn't have been fair to you at that time. But I don't know if you heard about this. I do this thing on this radio show every couple months. I do what's called the top twenty, where I have I make the top twenty list of the twenty greatest songs from a certain act. So I did Aerosmith. I've done a couple bands so far. I, the recent one I did was Van Halen. And man, did people get crazy into it! And the 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 amount of people who would have your your era versus the the Roth era, and even a couple people threw a Sharon song in there here and there. I mean, it's been, it went on for weeks. I mean, people making lists. No, you're crazy. Here's the twenty. Here's the twenty. And uh, I w- I was gonna reach out to you, but I'm like, you know what? That's not cool because I don't no, want. You of course, leave me alone in the situation. Yeah, I got to leave you out of that. I I, re- I get I it. I respect you too much.
1: That's all I can do. That's the only thing Sammy could do Get him <laughs> on it and it, boom, foot goes right in the mouth.
3: <laughs> so anyway, it was a lot of fun. Needless to say, you had some nice representation in my personal top twenty. so uh, I'm so, sure, I'm so sure you know that. that
1: he, yeah, yeah. You know, it's Sammy like, it's let, so let, hard for me not to not to talk about Van Halen. You know, it's like it's been so long and I feel like it's so far behind me, even though I still do the songs in the set. I mean there's no question about that. Those songs will live in my music musical live performance for the rest of my life. But I'm going, you know, it's like I'm, I can't even remember. It's like you say, well, wait, you know, when was the last time you talked to Eddie? going, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> it's been so long, I don't even know if we ever talked, you know. It's like it's really hard to imagine us ever getting back together. i got to say it straight up. That's the only thing I can say. I just can't imagine it. I, I I reached out to Al on his birthday, and for your information, this is the first time I've ever told anyone this, I sent him a nice a uh, text and an email and a phone message saying, "It's uh, hey, Sammy here. Miss you, buddy. Hope you're doing good. Uh, happy birthday. And uh, if you ever want to get together and talk, be buddies, be friends, you know, uh, here's my email, here's my text, and here's my house phone number, here's my nothing. I, oh, and wow. I, said, I said, how's Ed doing? I hope he's healthy. Uh, and uh, give him my love. Nothing, nothing. Radio
3: silence, huh?
1: Woo! I mean, that's like wow. I guess no water has went under that bridge. I went to look at the bridge; it was dry. <laughs> not a drop had come down underneath that bridge. <laughs> you know what's? <laughs> you, know what's really, really,
3: you, know you know what's, what's really? You know what's really a shame. It? You know what's really a shame, man. It is the as you, I'm sure you know, the 40th anniversary of Van Halen is this year, and there's nothing. Not with you. Radio not silence. with Roth. Nothing. The fans are even like, how is there not something? This is one of the great bands of all time, whether it's your era, Dave's era, whatever era. How is there not something? We're halfway through the year, 40 years since the first record. Nothing.
1: That's that's the time it should have been the Sam and Dave reunion tour with Ed, Alex, and Mikey. That's what it should have been. For 40 years, you know, do an hour with the diamond do an hour with me we could go back and forth two songs two songs two songs two songs we don't ever have to see each other you know what i mean we could i could come on the left side stage left he could come on stage right so we don't have to run into each other i don't care you know just give the people a great great show like that but uh that that ship has sailed so obviously that ain't gonna happen (laughs) and it's like i you want to know the craziest thing are you ready are you sitting down and yeah, This is like fresh off, fresh. This is the first time I said this to anybody except my manager. We invited Roth, to, offered to hire Roth to come and, and jam with my band at the festival. Well, I did. Yeah. And know what his, 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 his guy said? What? Oh, sounds interesting. We'll run it past Dave. Then radio silence. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, you know, he probably would actually consider doing that, but he probably would. He would, be would awesome for it. He would me? never he do it, though, because he, like he. me. Yeah, but you know they don't talk to you because you, or they don't talk to Michael or whatever because he went to play with you. He knows if he did that, that would really write is the end of him in <laughs> Van Halen. You know, but but then again, uh, what's there to write the end of? Because they're not doing anything.
1: I think that end is already, already in sight, my friend, but whatever. Uh, I don't know what they plan on doing. But-
3: We'll be right back with more with Sammy Hagar in this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, let me tell you guys about an awesome new toothbrush I got called Quip. Truth is, most of us are brushing our teeth wrong, not long enough, and this one toothbrush can change it all because... Unlike most brands that focus on selling flashy gimmicks, this is all about better brushing. Quip is truly awesome. They are very different. For starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush, fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes, while still packing the right amount of vibrations to keep your, keep your teeth clean. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you to switch sides. Next, Quip subscription plans are for your health, not just convenience. They deliver new brushed heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Quip carries... All sorts of great stuff. It comes with a mount, suctions right to your mirror, unsticks to use as a cover for hygiene, travel, wherever you take your teeth and you take them everywhere, right? And finally, everyone loves Quip. They were on Oprah's Q list, named one of Time's Best Inventions and the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers use Quip every day, including me. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash trunk right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's right, free. Getquip.com slash trunk. That's G E T Q U I P dot com slash trunk.
1: This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
3: Back with more with Sammy Hagar on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Again, October 6th, REO is on it. Joe Satriani, Vince Neil among the special guests, Real Big Fish. We mentioned some of the acts earlier. It sounds like it's going to be a great time. So, Sammy, let me ask you this. A couple quick things I wanted to get to before I let you go. We uh, we lost a great friend, of course, uh, a few oh, days ago. I know a guy that came came out to your, your par- birthday party all the time and was a friend of mine as well. Uh, a couple words on Vinnie Paul from you, if you don't mind.
1: Vinnie Paul was the coolest guy. He rolled with about, I swear, every time he came to the birthday bash, he would have 15 to 20 people with him, and I'd say, v- Vinnie... I can't let them all in this room. This room only holds like thirty, <laughs> and, and, and I got my band in here. And but he, and he would say, "Oh, no worry, man." He would just bring up his girlfriend and a couple, you know, bodyguards or whatever. Always jump up on stage. Is what was so cool about Vinny is just what I just said. He rolled with a gang of friends. I mean, he was surrounded by friends at all times. He took care of the tab. He picked up the tab. He was never a freeloader. He was so respectful. He would jump on stage and play Pound Cake better than frickin' uh, Jason or Alex Van Halen. I gotta tell you, the guy, that was his song, his go-to. And let me tell you one more quick thing about Vinny. He would be like, everybody, all drummers, they always want to play Led Zeppelin's Rock and Roll because of that iconic drum intro. You know, that's like the epitome of a a great drum intro. He'd say, I don't do... I don't do rock and roll. I want to play pound cake. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: mean, I had Michael. Michael right, was right, on. At
1: you point. his finger in. So you got it, buddy. You got it. Okay. Come on now. Come on. Hell yeah. Oh, no. He was great. I got goosebumps talking about it. My legs are furred up right now, man. Oh, All yeah. my fur is standing up on ends. What a horrible thing, though, man. I don't know what happened. I don't even know what happened. We
3: don't even know. You know, Michael Anthony was on with me. We did a special for Vinny on Saturday, and Michael called in. He said the same exact thing you said about playing pound cake with him and how much he he loved doing it. I mean, the early word is that he died in his sleep, had a heart attack, but we just don't have all the information yet. 54, man, so young for a guy. As you just attested to, man, he loved life. I mean, this guy loved to to knock him back. Big smile, big hug, loved to jam. He loved his rock and roll. He and I are around the same age. That's what we bonded over uh, so many times i'd interview vinnie and we'd end up talking about our favorite our favorite journey songs or our favorite sammy hagar songs or our favorite van halen songs that that's what it was about i mean just being a music fan and uh and and a monster of a drummer too i think it got a, a little overlooked by some people too
1: he hit him hard man he had a big old foot on him and a big old hot snare yeah he was a bad boy man he, he come out and put on his little black gloves and grab them sticks and i'd say it's time to go man (laughs) he's (laughs) he's styled up i love the guy i gotta tell you anyway couldn't say enough but but let me go back to telling you why we're speaking of the birthday bash which is coming. you know is
3: i wanted to mention that too yeah
1: well it's right after the festival and the reason i put it right there is because i'm looking at this like last year for my birthday bash there were 70,000 lotteries uh, requests for tickets, and, you know, we only had 2,000 tickets, only four nights, 500 people a night. So 70,000, so the, the idea is to those people that can't get the lottery tickets, which are already gone for the for the uh, birthday bash this year, uh, it's like, come to this festival. It's going to be just like the birthday bash, only bigger on steroids. It's going to be on the beach. You know, what I'd rather do in Cabo, I've been trying to do a beach festival in Cabo from, for 10 years. You can't get nothing done in Mexico because it's, they they stick you up, man. It's like the banditos say, "No, we have to be paid. You cannot do this." <laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm all good, and and this is going to be that's the gift to those people that can't get lottery tickets. Come on down. You know what I'm saying? And then you can go straight to Cabo from there too. I mean, that's the whole idea. It's like a if you're coming from you know Texas, you can stop in LAX, jump in a car, forty minutes to the to the Huntington Beach, back to the airport. Boom, you're in Cabo the next day, and I'll meet you there.
3: <laughs> you know it's amazing man 71st but you're going to be 71 god bless Stop you you'll lo- you'll look you look better and sing better than almost anybody else out there i gotta tell you this the other day just a couple days ago i went to see steven tyler steven tyler is 70 you're 70 yep. i b- b- you tyler and mick jagger are the three nobody can touch of the 70 club nobody can <laughs> touch any of you you and I'm not just saying this I'm saying this and I don't know Mick but I know you you and I know Steven and it is it's remarkable it's inspirational to see people at your age still be so friggin good at what they do steven tyler went out there and owned it and moved and sang everything spot perfect i don't know you guys made a deal with the devil i don't know how you did it because there's a (laughs) lot of guys in their 60s they they're tuned down they can't touch what they once did they're running tracks they're doing this you guys come out and it's still as great as it ever was i don't know how you do it i don't know if you and tyler and jagger ever get together and talk but it's crazy man
1: i got three I mean two reasons, one of them you either you stay in shape like I was trying to get to before when you went to your break, not trying to mean i got it said you got to keep your voice in shape once you get out of shape at seventy it 's tough to get it back, brother if your legs are shot you know if you're, you get big and fat man you can 't all of a sudden go on a diet and say i 'm going to go back out and be a rock star again it 's hard you got to stay in shape or it's the guys that have worked too hard and went and did 300 shows a year for 10, 20 years in a row that are burnt out. That's the only thing I can say. It's one or the other, because I know Steven stays in shape. He tours enough to keep his voice going and keep his body in shape. Mick, we certainly know he does the exact same thing with the Stones, and it's what I do. I play enough shows to stay in shape and, and keep my enthusiasm up. All good. Making a new record, I think it's going to be called Hey, Hey. And uh, and with the circle and we're done. I'm just going to mix and hopefully have it out by first of the year or by the end of this year. I don't know. I got so many things on my plate, but I'm having a good time.
3: <laughs> I, I know, I know, man. On the verge of 71, you're working harder than ever, and we're going to get oh, a circle yeah. album of original material. This is all yes, new stuff. Sir.
1: A concept record called Hey Hey. Yep, really. It's a yep. I'm serious. Right. Lyrically, it holds up. It holds up. I'll talk to you about this one when it's closer. I'd hate to waste any time on it because I want it to be closer to be coming out. I don't want to try to hype people on it yet because it ain't coming out yet. But listen, it's the best record I've made in my life, man. I'm so, it's like if I say I never make a record again as long as I live, I've made this record. And that's how I feel about it. And I've took my whole time. I've been working on it for a year. And I mean working hard on it. And uh, Jason will tell you, it's killing, man. It's the circle. Right. It's, it's from Montrose. Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, Sammy, Chickenfoot—it's all of it is on this record. Everything I've ever been a part of, we we just honed it down and, and gave gave you a little taste of all of it. It's really really great. Uh, yeah, I'm excited.
3: Well- well, when you're ready to talk about that, and that's closer to coming out, of course, we'll do something on that. And the last thing, you got Satriani on this this beach party on your festival, and I know I saw you on your uh, on your rock and roll road trip. I think one of this one times you, you jammed Bigfoot from Chickenfoot, Foot. Yeah. Did you, did you guys, I mean, I know, so I have Satch on here, he's like, oh, I want to get Sammy to do a record again, and you know, we have Chad Smith, who's actually doing a, a weekly radio show here on this channel, now he's getting in the radio, like I said, everybody's coming after me. Uh, I'm going but-
1: to talk to Chad on his show next week, and dog him to death, because you see, the whole idea of the, of the festival, having Joe, was to have Chad on there as well, and we were going to sneak a Chickenfoot set in there in the middle of the, of the day, right, like all this a sudden, yeah. You know, everybody's. So Joe's going to come out, he's going to do, you know, surfing with the aliens, maybe Satch Boogie, and then we're going to do some chicken foot. And Chad's going, oh, dude, I can't, I've already committed to some charity thing with with Will Ferrell or something on that night. I'm going, Bullshit! Oh, stop it. So I'm calling him up on his station. I'm going to hit him so hard. See, I didn't want to say too much about it, but now nah, I'm glad you know about it because, Chad, he's got to come down. We've got to do a little foot reunion at this thing.
3: Oh, that would be awesome. That's the only thing you're missing. Michael's exactly. already there. That would be awesome.
1: Damn, what the hell's wrong with that guy? he got to do something <laughs> with Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell looks just like him, so Will could just put on his outfit and act <laughs> like he's Chad. Nobody will miss him. Right. <laughs>
3: Totally right. All right, Sammy, I'll let you go, man. High Tide Beach Party and Car Show, October 6th. As Sammy just said, tickets go on sale tomorrow for the club members, Friday to the general public, Huntington Beach, California, REO, Satriani, Vince Neil, The Circle, Real Big Fish. Go to redrocker.com. All the information on what Sammy's got going on, and he's got a lot going on, is all right there on the website. I hope I see you soon, man. It's always great to Pete, talk to you, all right?
1: Happiness. Always a pleasure talking to you, my friend.
3: All right, send my best to your family. I'll see you soon, okay? Bye, buddy. Huge thanks to Sammy Hagar. Always gives me great stuff. It would be awesome if Van Halen did anything with anybody. Who knows? Time will tell, but time has taken, certainly, on the 40th anniversary, which this year is. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Interview number two. And like I said, these guys are connected. Rick Springfield next up on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast.
1: The Eddie Trunk Podcast.
3: Hey, if you guys are one of the millions of Americans who suffer from muscle cramps in your legs and feet, Relief is finally here, and it's called TheraWorks Relief, a topical foam that's clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start. So you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without having to worry about muscle cramps. TheraWorks Relief only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly, and it really works. I recommend TheraWorks Relief. Family, friends, they all get the results that speak for themselves. It's a life-changing product, and you don't even need a prescription. TheraWorks Relief, it is a great choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Try TheraWorks Relief today, and experience relief from muscle cramps for yourself. I use it, it works. TheraWorks Relief in the pain relief aisle at select CVS Rite Aid and Walgreen Pharmacies, or... By talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. That's TheraWorks Relief for your muscle cramps. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? Same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for... Is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories. Before you even get to the dealership, True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that car that you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states.
1: This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
3: Welcome back to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's time now to visit with Rick Springfield. As I mentioned earlier, this interview took place at a private event that I hosted in Austin, Texas a few weeks ago. It was a great conversation with Rick. Really interesting guy. Really interesting story. And we get into it right now. Here's Rick Springfield. Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you, too. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So you, I've been avoiding you for a long time. Have so you it's been?
2: Good that we finally meet. Yeah. <laughs> have
3: our, has our mutual friend Sammy Hagar put a word in, stay away from that trunk guy? Uh,
2: yeah, he did mention it. Yeah,
3: you know, I got to get right into that. I got to tell you because I know you were just on Sammy's show uh-huh. on Rock and Roll Road Trip on Access, and I I, I, I didn't see the uh, episode you did with him yet. But a long time ago, because I've known Sammy for a long time, he's a wonderful guy. Long time <laughs> ago, I said to Sammy because a lot of people still don't know this. I said, you know. You wrote and recorded, I've done everything for you. I said, and Rick Springfield did basically a you know, very similar version and did the song, and he had a hit with it. And you're tanked, I mean, nobody even knows you wrote the song. I said, What happened there? And he just looks at me real serious. He goes, You know why? He Because that son of a bitch is better looking than me. <laughs> said, that's all it came down to. He goes, He's better looking than me. That's I, why.
1: I know.
2: I, I, I had actually heard that, and, uh, and I, my. I said on his show, they haven't cut the show together yet, but I said, you know, uh, uh, we're talking about the song. I said, yeah, because I'm, I'm prettier than you, but you sing better than I do. So <laughs> it kind of balances. But he, he used to say, uh, he'd make a joke about that. He said, yeah, I wondered why mine wasn't a hit, and then I met Rick and saw, saw his blue eyes and went, oh, I get it. <laughs> it. It really offended me because my eyes are green. <laughs>
3: but but um how did that i mean you probably answered this question before but how did that song how did a sammy hagar song end up on that record
2: well i i'd had i'd written a bunch of demos right for what became working class dog and and uh i was my manager was joe Gottfried who owned sound city which you know the last time i was here was with dave grohl doing the sound city thing at south by southwest the sound city doc Mm -hmm. and um and, and Joe, and I've been with Joe for a couple of years and nothing had happened. And, and Keith Olsen was a big producer back then. He did right. with Rumors, uh, Foreigner, sure. just finished Pat Benatar. So Joe said, would you do a couple of tracks on Rick's new album? And Keith you know, made, made a deal. with well, Keith said, all right, I guess so. And so he heard the demos and he lo- loved Jesse's Girl. He picked Jesse's Girl and said, this is the one I want to do. But I want to do an outside song. So he brought in... I've done everything, and I always thought it was him. But I, but Neil Gerardo said, "No, it was me. I brought that song to Keith." Oh, really? Yeah. So there's it's still undecided who actually kind of found this, but uh, Sammy doesn't even know either. He, I, when I, I we're talking about it, and. Um, and he said he didn't know if it was Keith or if it was Neil that brought it. Brought Sam, it in.
3: You know, Sammy may not know, but Sammy's actually one of the big winners in it because he wrote the song, so he's seeing the publishing, right? Totally. totally. <laughs> I, I,
2: I'm, I, I met him at the, the Chelsea Handler like goodbye thing where all the, all the guests showed up, and he introduced me to his daughter and said, This is the guy that put you through college. <laughs>
3: <laughs> see sammy 's tricky like that like he's he 's the guy behind things that you don 't even know about, like back in the day he had a travel agency, but nobody dude, knew it was his he travel is agency. He's so friggin smart smart dude. guy he, yeah. he
2: has a whole set of restaurants that that he that all the money goes to charity he 's yeah. a really incredible guy i mean yeah. he 's an incredible entrepreneur the fact that he sold his tequila company for you know eighty gazillion trillion billion dollars and, yeah. and he 's still and he 's creating new. You know, new, new uh, companies all the time. He's really, really just meeting, you know, it was like, oh, okay, here's, here's a rocker kind of beach bum dude, you know, he's oh, probably, the- probably doing pretty well. He's like got houses all at Maui, yeah, yeah. houses all over the place. He's And he's just a, uh, such a nice guy, yeah, too.
3: Yeah, the best guy. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite people. So you know what I couldn't believe, man, in, in uh, getting ready to talk to you? Your first record came out in 1972. Yeah. Is that right?
2: Actually, I had, I had a couple of hits in Australia with a band I was in uh, in 1969, 1970. So I've been, you know, I've been playing a long, long time. And uh, I, I was in a band called Zoot in Australia. And right. we were a, a, a big, you know, we were probably one of the top bands in Australia. And uh, then we broke up and I went solo and I wrote a song that was a big hit in Australia. And that got me over here. And that was a hit over here. But then there was like, I don't know, nine years of silence, yeah. radio silence for me.
3: How big of a band was Zoot in Australia? Didn't didn't get on the radar at all in America? No,
2: no, we actually we we got picked up. Uh, we we're a really good band. I mean, I came over here. The bass player formed Little River Band. The singer uh, went on to a big TV career in Australia. So it was a real a pretty talented band, you know. And um, uh, but it, it, back then, in Australia was completely. You know, it was, no one h- heard of it. When I first came over here, people would go, wow, you come from Australia. How long did it take you to learn English, you know? And, <laughs> I mean, tr- truly, it was like uh, nobody uh, it was before Shrimp on the Barbie. It was before, you know, Paul Hogan. It was before ACDC. And nobody knew about Australia.
3: Wow. Was there a music scene for you? Was growing Gaya. up as a kid... You, you, you know, I mean, I know you don't hide how old you are and you shouldn't cuz you look amazing for your age. I wish I looked like you. I'm 53. I wish I looked like you now, man. You're you're are you 68? I'm going to be
2: my favorite number uh in August. 69. Yes. <laughs>
3: God bless you, man. That is amazing. I mean, I can't believe. I thought you. I honestly thought you were like in your fifties. I really did. Oh, well, thanks. And uh, and obviously, you, you you work hard to take care of yourself.
2: Yeah, I, my my dad died early, honestly, and 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 I I started to pay attention to my health from that point, you know, and um and I've I've gone, you know, yeah, I do. I pay. I work out. I do. Pay attention to what I eat very closely, and uh, which is tough on the road. You spend yeah, a lot really of time is. on the road. It it's, really is it's right. Very hard. We we. You know we pull into our town at eleven o 'clock at night, and we 're on Maddie our tour manager front of house guy going, "Where the hell do we eat now well there 's a buffalo wild winger around right. the corner <laughs> there 's a hooter still open maybe right so it gets it gets difficult on the road but i my wife 's an incredible chef and uh, and when I'm i 'm home i I eat really well we 're very you know organic and uh, I, I, I tried veganism for a while but I got down to 163 pounds so it wasn't wow yeah I got people coming up to me going you're all right dude you look really sick <laughs> yeah. and I felt great but I just was it just didn't work for my body so
3: so are you a vegetarian now or no uh,
2: I I don't eat dairy but I but I do eat fish and uh, and turkey occasionally because I have to you know keep keep some shape otherwise I end up looking like I don't know i Man. Had radiation sickness. I,
3: man, I hate you. I eat one thing and I blow up. It's unbelievable. No, but it's, the
2: same, it's a reverse issue, honestly. It really is. I can get too thin. I've got to eat or I'll, I'll look sick, you know? Wow.
3: God, I don't care if it's reverse. I'm envious. I'll trade with you, Rick. I'll trade with you. See, that's why I do something where I'm not seen, just heard. You, you got the right thing, you know? It works. So uh, I want to go back to Australia for a second. You, you, you're a kid growing up there. Tell me what you were hearing, what was going on in the music scene when you were a kid that inspired you to want to be a musician.
2: Well, we were very English-oriented um, because of our connection to England. So I saw the Beatles when I was 14 in Australia in 1964. Because we had a really strong English connection, all the English bands came over. But there were like small faces, the Who. I saw the Stones in '65 and '66, and, and it was it, we were very uh, oriented towards England. Uh, and American bands weren't as well known over there. But uh, but as a musician, I listened to them. But generally on the radio, it was very very uh, anglophile.
3: So was it was there there the the. A lot of the musicians have that classic moment—that one moment in their life where I heard this, I saw this, and that's when I said I got to do that. Did you have that? Uh, I had it several times. Yeah. <laughs> what was the first time?
2: Uh, w- you w- remember? Just at a local dance. I mean, I was like 14, walked into this local dance and saw these, you know, guys that looked like me up on stage. Only all the girls were looking at them and not at me. You know, so I said, okay, that's probably a direction I should head. And then I went and saw the Beatles, and it was—and they looked like back then it was 64 so a lot of the australian bands were still just getting out of the rocker thing you know they had leather suits and their hair still pompadours. the beatles walked on stage and they looked like friggin' aliens they had you know thick long hair and high-heeled cuban boots and these amazing looking guitars and then they opened their mouths and it was like holy shit this is incredible mm. uh, absolutely you know it's like you guys see him on on the ed sullivan show uh, it was just it was mind-altering
3: how many times did you get to see the Beatles live was that the only time that was the
2: only time yeah 1964. Wow
3: what an amazing chance to be at. what do you remember what was the venue was it yeah, a it was huge festival, thing or?
2: festival hall it was about 6,000 people and I was 14 and they came on stage and I opened my mouth and didn't stop screaming like a girl till so you were one of we the ones up. screaming too totally yeah. I couldn't it was like I get it now you know I I, I couldn't control it. it was like oh my god and god went on for like the next 20 minutes you know it was staggering did you ever see Elvis well no Elvis I didn't Elvis. tour
3: outside of America
2: no right? but I met Elvis on a plane actually coming back to Australia I was having problems with visas you know because I was um when I first came over in 72 and I was flying back to Australia to renew a visa and back then the plane stopped in Hawaii before going to Australia because they couldn't make the whole trip and I walk on the plane I'm in the back of the bus at this point of course and uh, <clears throat> I walk on and I go oh wow that's Elvis you're sitting in like a blue leisure suit with bl- look great, black hair and real tan and skinny. And it was amazing. And he did. the I've never seen anyone do this. But at, as, before the plane landed, he gets up and walks back through the, the plane signing autographs and taking photos. Really? Usually, usually celebrities will sit there like, you know, yeah, yeah. with a hand over their face hoping no one recognizes them. It was so awesome. And I wasn't a big fan back then. But I had a girlfriend in Australia then, who was a giant fan. So, and I was also managed by Steve Binder at the time, who directed the Elvis special, the the comeback special, right? The '68 special. Yeah. 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 Steve directed that, and I was being managed. Steve is one who brought me over to America, actually. And so I, Elvis came down, and I said, "Hey, Elvis, uh, Steve, I'm managed by Steve Binder." And he goes, "Ah, oh, Steve, great guy." You know, we had a little chat, and they said, "Could you sign this autograph for my girlfriend?" So he signed the autograph, and I put it in my my tape player case that I had, you know, when I record songs, I had a little tape player and the, the, and I put it in there and the Australian custom took it off me to make sure there wasn't, you know, dog porn on there or something. I don't know what, when I got it back, the autograph was gone. So, so, someone, Oh someone...
3: man. So you lost it. Mm. Wow. Was there a good, were the Beatles also your influence to play guitar? Do you have a, do you have influences on guitar as far as a player?
2: Yeah, more, more guys, my age are blues oriented, you know, because like Chuck Berry and all sure. that, that blues, you know, configuration, Clapton, all those guys. We all us English, because I lived in England when I was a kid. So all us English guys that, or English people that were influenced were influenced by this guy named Hank Marvin, who was in a band called the Shadows. who was the first European guitar hero. And you, and Eric Clapton has stopped. He now lives in Perth. I actually had dinner with Hank, and it was like my 14-year-old in me was was screaming. And they were the basically the, like the Ventures, only they had the music. Escape was huge i mean it was beautiful melodies it wasn't just three chord surf stuff it was giant stuff and they're still big now they're still they can still tour europe and australia and hank was was brian may richie blackmore eric clapton page all these guys cite him hank b marvin as their initial influence because it was like this guy can do it so can i you know he's an english kid who you know was a guitar god
3: there's so many of those guys that are like they're not the well-known guys. They're not the marquee guys, but they're the guys that they shaped all the, the,
2: guys, all you know, the guys. Guy
3: like Rory Gallagher, an yep. Irish guitar player. You talk to some Rory Gallagher is amazing. Or a guy like Frank Marino, a Canadian mm-hmm. guy. People love Frank Marino. They didn't get. They inspired the guys that became the, you
2: know, the guitar gods. The guitar yeah. gods. And yeah. I
3: always found that kind of interesting. And also like the lines between the countries. Where if you're talking about England, how when did you live in England? How old were you?
2: Uh, from about when I was about nine till I was about twelve.
3: So I, did were there some some music impact
2: on you there? Oh, totally. That's when I first touched a guitar. was backstage at high school. Uh, I, I was just getting into high school, and uh, and I had a Christmas pageant, and there was this kid had this Hoffner guitar, and it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I like walked across the room in like a trance. can I hold your guitar? And I, and he let me hold it. And I and the A and the E string, the bottom strings, I played them, and it sound and it was the same notes that was a. Uh, my favorite TV show cowboy show called Cheyenne and I went dun, 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 dun. I said oh I can play the guitar <laughs> and it flipped me out and, and from then on I, I made guitar c- I cut out copies of Hank Marvin this guy he, he was the first guy with a Stratocaster in Europe and I cut out copies of his red Strat out of cardboard and like lip sync their records in, the, in the, my reflection in the, in the living room window in England and, and, and eventually my parents said well we probably should get him a real guitar so eventually I got a real guitar. But I was like making them out of wood and cardboard and you know, pretending I was a guitar player. Did
3: you ever see the stones?
2: Yeah, so I'm uh, twice early on? Sixty four sixty five, sixty six. Wow,
3: it's amazing to be able to say you had all those experiences. Yeah, I it was uh,
2: the last time was the new single. I remember Brian, the the hearing da 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 and the curtains open up and Brian Jones has got a a, a, a firebird and and he's play, he's playing the riff. Oh. I thought it was Keith Richard, but it was him.
3: How about T Rex in England? Was that around your time? Yeah,
2: I was actually when I moved to England to, uh, the second time to start recording because I, I moved to LA, but we recorded the first couple albums in England in 1972, 73, and they were gigantic then. and And it was really hard for me because I'm six foot two, and I was really kind of big. and And all the thing then was like little skinny English guys that looked like girls, right? And, Mark Bowling
3: like a like little elf, yeah, a yeah. little elf. So yeah. I'm
2: like trying to squeeze into all these tight clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like looked like these little skinny English guys, you know, and it wasn't didn't really work for me
3: the t- the reason the reason why I bring up the t rex thing is because t you know I look at your music and I listen to your music and you 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 I think, very brilliantly mesh pop and rock. And there's all these elements to these, to these different things that you do in your music. And, and Mark Boland did that with yeah, T-Rex. It, I, it appealed to rock fans, but mm-hmm. it also had a lot of pop sensibilities, yeah. acoustic ends to it. And it, shockingly, here in America, they're, they're known for one song. Yeah. But in England, it was T-Rex to see. It was a whole different were, thing. They
2: were the biggest thing. It was Bowie would actually get up and dance on the mime do mime beside t-rex oh so, yeah yeah and, and ringo uh,
3: Starr directed a movie yeah, on t-rex yeah. that's how crazy right, that right, was right. at the time which is and when did acting come in for you was it before music or during music when uh, you initially started acting
2: i started i i got an acting in 75 when i was like between record deals and i'm going i gotta make some money somehow my brother's been acting in australia uh, so it was kind of on my radar you know and uh, so I said, well, I'll, I'll start acting. I'll start going to acting class, and maybe I can make some money in between record deals, which was totally stupid because all the actors in the acting class were waiting tables so that they could, you know, to get acting gigs. But I actually started working. I got uh, put on a play with this girl, and, and the one guy, one guy came down to see it, and he actually was one of the contract signers for Universal. So I signed. I was one of the last contract players in Universal in 1975, and I, I you know, I just did Rockford Files, Battlestar Galactica, um, uh, Incredible Hulk. Nancy Drew, you know, everything they did, I, did, I, I was on it at some point.
3: Wow. How did, and did, were, were you, as far as uh, what you do, did you gravitate, did you have more of an affinity for one versus the other, music versus the acting? Because you, to this day, you walk both lines, you live in, in both worlds, but was there one that was more your passion?
2: Yeah, of course, music, because, you know, I can, I can sit in the living room and, and play guitar, and I was writing, too. I write, you know, songwriting was kind of my drive, really, um, but, but, and acting, I, 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 enjoyed the, I enjoyed the artistic thing of it and the attention and that kind of thing. But it really, it only started to kick in inside me, uh, probably about 15 years ago, 16 years, 16 years ago, when I really started to get what I could do acting wise, you know, that I didn't have to like always be the boyfriend or, you know, the husband or something. And <laughs> I started to do freaky stuff, like I did American Horror Story and I did Californication and, uh, uh, you know, supernatural and all these kind of shows where I played uh, basically freaks, <laughs> and they're great. It's fun because you play against type, you know. And I, but I, 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 my acting's, you know, my chops have definitely gotten better since uh, some of those horrendous General Hospital
3: episodes. Uh, and and did you did you um? You mentioned writing songs. You have written. I mean, you wrote Jesse's Girl, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you've written the bulk of your material. That to me, as a fan is the the talent that I'm always most impressed by is the ability to write songs. Maybe I don't understand it as well because I don't play an instrument, but when did you know that you could write songs? When did you know that you said that was an important part of your evolution, yeah. that that was something that was important yeah. to you? You could have easily taken the route of being the, the actor, the good-looking guy, the musician who just has brings in pro songwriters to knock out tracks for them. You never, you didn't do that. You, well, I mean, you've had other uh, other writers, but for you, writing songs was important. It was an yeah. important way to express yourself.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think I, I, it started with because we didn't have TV when I was growing up. We lived in the country in Australia, so TV kind of wasn't an option back then. So we had to play our piano. Where after dinner, we'd we'd sit around, you know, one of those pump pianos with the rolls on them, and we'd sing Broadway songs, and my my parents' songs. My dad had a great voice. He was in the army, but he was a, a singer too. And we'd sing, um, you know, Carousel and South Pacific and Oklahoma and all these great Roger and Hammerstein uh, songs. That, and I was aware of them as the stars. The broad, Roger and Hammerstein, Lerner and Lowe, they were the stars. The writers were the stars. I went, wow, that's really cool. And then the Beatles came on and said, hey, anyone can do it. And you, you hear these songs and go, wow, some kid wrote that song. I could do that, right? Not realizing how friggin' amazing the Beatles were. But that was, a, you know, you said, wow, I could do that. So I started writing and I still have all these songs at home like when I was 15 16 the horrible songs really lame lyrics <laughs> and stuff but it was a start you know you had to start somewhere and it started to kick in I think uh um uh, when I got when I came over here and really kind of was absorbed all the music that was going on over in America and I think I really uh focused on writing heavier and heavier and that really became my kind of the gold and I don't really understand it either I mean it's kind of magic to me anytime mm. If I finish the song and go, wow, I think I really said what I meant to say in that in a, in a hopefully unique way. And uh, and and that is still my greatest joy is writing.
3: Did you know when you wrote Jesse's Girl that you wrote what was going to be, at least in America, looked at as the all-time Rick Springfield song that to this day is everywhere constantly and did yeah. you do you have any idea what that was going to become
2: no not really I, I just thought it was a good album track and i was kind of surprised when olson picked it out keith olson picked it out amongst all the demos because i did i've always done really complete demos you know back then it was a t-act four track and i had a little cushion for a kick drum and a and a wooden spoon that i hit a plastic ottoman for the snare and i then i'd play crappy old bass and and do vocals so i had very full demos you know but uh, and I thought there were better songs, and he, you know, but he picked Jesse's girl, and I'm like, okay, well, you must know what he's doing. So we did it, and it just really it kind of took on a life of its own. I mean, I I I think it was a good song. I I think I've written better songs, you know, but that was just that one became a summer hit, and then it got picked up in movies and kind of took on, you know, it's really a life of its own. It's it's its, its own entity.
3: And who is Jesse's girl? Like, was it was it a real story? Was it? Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to
2: um I hadn't had a record deal and I'd written in a while and I was gone to uh figure I tried to f- find plan b if in case the music thing didn't work out so I went to a, a stained glass class with the idea of supporting my possible future family by being a stained glass master which is pretty freaking insane and uh and I met this there was this girl there that was just hot and she had a boyfriend and she didn't want anything to do with me and so I you know, took my sexual angst home and wrote a song about it. So, and their boyfriend's name was Jesse? No, it was Gary, actually, but Gary didn't didn't work. <laughs> so just it almost
3: work. could have been, I wish I had Gary's yeah. girl. Yeah, that Jesse's girl works It was better.
2: originally, it was originally Gary's girl, and then I changed it to Randy, and that didn't work. And then <laughs> finally, I came up with Jesse.
3: <laughs> and you said there's a, you you were approached to do a Spanish version of the song?
2: Yeah, I have. I, we just completed, actually. There's, there's a, a guy in Mexico named Alex Sintex, who's a, A star down there and he's he's doing this thing called legends where he's contacting all these old you know uh guys that he was fans of and i was i'm one of them and we said you know we'd like to do a spanish version of jesse's girl but i want it to be really accurate because you know he said there's been other artists that done it and they sound like they're speaking chinese so he came in and it took me like two days to get the pronunciation i wanted to get it really correct and, uh, and it was, yeah, so we got, we're going to mix that soon and, and, you know, I don't know what we'll do with it, but it's, it's certainly you know, fun to do.
3: I don't want to hold you too long cause I know you got to get ready for your show, but I do want to mention you have a new record out, mm-hmm. which I have. And I've listened to snake King and, uh, it's a really cool record. And, and in this day and age, I mean, all the artists I talk to, the challenge of selling new music when you have a huge history in a catalog is well, so a- tough. But for you, still important to make new music. Yeah, through. yeah, it is
2: for for the band too to play new music live. It keeps the the the, the live show fresh, so we don't always feel like are oh, we doing the same old songs. It's just a retro act, you know. It's very important for me to write new new things, new music. You know, new stories. I mean, I've had, had a couple of books out already that have done. Um, it's writing to my my source. You know, that's where I go, and and so, you know, radio is not friendly to new rock music right now, which is a real shame. But, uh, you know, maybe it'll maybe it'll change, but it won't stop people from recording. You know, I mean, it's blue. It's a blues rock album. I don't even know where that would fit in in today's radio. Right. But it's Some it's stuff that I wanted to say, and blues rock seemed like an appropriate medium for it. And as a guitar player, it, you know, I. I wanted to play, put solos back in the mix.
3: Yeah. Nobody yeah, does guitar solos yes, anymore. Yes, which was great to hear. Uh, you have time for one quick phone call because uh, uh, yeah. one of our listeners wants to t- uh, ask you a quick question. This is Tim in North Carolina. I didn't touch here. Tim, <laughs> Tim, you're on with Rick Springfield. Go ahead. I think this is interesting what you want to ask him. Go ahead. Hey, Rick, I've seen you live. You put on an awesome show and I also read your autobiography. It was amazing. But uh, we're you were talking about influences you know how far that you've influenced into the rock community? And then I was reading a book, Def Leppard's autobiography called Animal Instincts, and Rick Savage, the bassist, lists Living in Oz as one of his favorite albums. And I got to meet him at a meet and greet, and I said, you know, tell me about this Rick Springfield influence. And he says, well, you know, everybody thinks about us as Led Zeppelin or Queen or whatever. He goes, go back and listen to Living in Oz. He goes, that's a great album, great sounds. And uh, I was blown away. I was like, wow. So uh, did you know about that?
2: No, I didn't. But uh, but uh, I know Living in Oz brought in a lot of guy fans because I remember it, when it came out, uh, it used to be all girls at the show. But when it, when Living in Oz came out, we started seeing these camper vans coming from, uh, you know, from colleges full of guys with Living in Oz written across it. So I knew it was getting, you know, I mean, I, I write, honestly, I write, guy music you know it's from a guy's perspective i'm a guitar player i wanted to <coughs> that was the first record that i actually uh uh produced the whole record of because i did i produced uh, um uh working class dog but keith produced jesse's girl and i've done everything for you off that I, and then keith produced a second record which had don't talk to strangers on it but living in oz was some, something that uh that i just wanted to Make the guitar a lot heavier and the drums bigger, and so I decided to do it myself. And it, uh, I, I, it's still a lot of fans' favorite record because it was, uh, it was kind of out of the box for what what was expected of me at the time.
3: Do, have have you heard from people like, as as our caller said, Guy in Def Leppard, saying how much of an influence you were and what and what a fanny is? Ha, ha, have there been people that have surprised you that have come up to you in your career and and talked like that and said, "Man, you had." People, people, maybe the audience would be surprised that have told you that you had a big influence on them.
2: Yeah, there has, you know, there's. I mean, as a musician, it, it like, I I get it because musician, you know, like Dave Grohl when he came to me about the Sound City thing, and and his, you know, a couple of his band members saying, yeah, we love, you know, your music, and. But as a musician, I think musicians are more open to hearing, all kinds of hearing the the best things in all kinds of music. Where if you're a non-musician, a lot of guys get into okay this is me this music represents me and everything else is crap and and uh but musicians are very open to hearing the good part of everything you know i mean this song's on the radio now i like you know we did a, co- a cover Katy perry's roar for a while because i liked the song
3: you, you did know? it live yeah And
2: yeah. and a live show but um and i think you know so it, it doesn't surprise me but it i am pleased that you know there's uh that not everybody thinks I'm a one-dimensional soap opera idiot. You know? <laughs>
3: Before I let you get out of here, anything you want to mention about upcoming stuff, uh, upcoming shows, or are you, you still out supporting the record? Or
2: Yeah, we're still out with, with a record. Um, I'm working on, uh, we, we have a, a symphony show that we do now. There's oh, wow. a 40-piece orchestra, which is a completely different show. We also have a storyteller show, which is me and, and a guitar and stories with with video walls and stuff. Um, so there's like three different shows, and we're doing a symphony record, too. We're re-recording all the old hits with a symphony. And I'm writing a new song for that. And uh, there's a lot of new stuff coming out. I want to do more acting, and and uh, we're going to do more, you know, more touring. And um, I've never toured Australia. Maybe going over to Australia soon.
3: To You've never side. toured a- Australia? Not as
2: a solo artist. I did all the time in, in, in bands. I mean, that's all you did, you know? right? But because um, there's only five cities <laughs> you yeah. tour, you know, and then yeah, you yeah. tour, then you tour the pubs out in the country where you know if they don't like you, they'll throw a beer can at your head. <laughs> but um, as a solo artist, I've never.
3: Do you still have family there?
2: And, and No, and my everything. mom passed away a year and a half ago. So all my family, I have cousins there, uh-huh. but um, she was the reason I would go back. And uh, so now it would probably just be a tour. And to where be. do
3: you live here? You live in L.A.?
2: Yeah, I live in L.A.
3: And you've lived there for a long time?
2: Yep, we lived in the same house for like 30 years.
3: Wow, mm. amazing. Well, listen, man, I, I, I appreciate the time. It's it's uh, it's great to talk to you and... and uh, Everybody check out Rick's new album, which is called The Snake King. And also, we should mention real quick, you've got a cruise. You do your own cruise, yes. right? Yes,
2: yeah, we do. Um, Our but, own
3: Mark Goodman, who's on this channel yeah. as one of the hosts of Mark it. Mark
2: is familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's been on it since we started. It's actually a land event now because uh, no, nobody likes to get seasick. And, and we don't want to be on these floating Petri dishes that are, they call ships. So uh, we're doing a land event. It'll probably be at Atlantis in the Bahamas. Uh, oh, next, that'll be next the next year. one. Yeah. And it's, we did we did Atlantis once before. It's incredible.
3: All right, and la- I know I keep saying we're gonna let you go. This is the last thing I had to ask you. In all your career and all the stuff the the height of the fame and the the, the crazy shows you must have done is there one moment that resonates with you as like the craziest shit you ever saw in the audience at one of your shows, or the craziest fan, or the craziest experience? Someone trying to break into the room to see you, or get into your hotel, or climb in the side of the hotel? I mean, you got one for us?
2: Yeah, there was a, a one girl that, I, like in 1982 or 83, we're staying at this hotel, and I'm walking by, and. Getting into the Jacuzzi, right? And there's this woman I know. She's like 25 or 26, a little older than actually a lot of the fan, My fans were at the time, right? And she said, "People are looking at you as they say walking by. Are you somebody I should know?" And I said, "Oh, I'm, my name is Rick Springfield, and I got a, a couple of songs out in the radio." She, oh, that's very interesting. And so she started talking to me about her life and said, "Yeah, I just lost my 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 um my my fiance in a car accident." And, and she got into the group and she said, "Yeah, I'm I'm an heiress to the Marriott Hotel. And uh, i oh, that's cool. She said, yeah, I can get you guys free hotels if you want. So she started coming on the bus with us and get it. And I remember walking into a hotel in New York and they said, oh, we don't have Mr. Springfield's room ready yet. She said, give me the phone. She gets on the phone, gets off the phone, says, OK, your room's ready. I'm going, this, is, this woman's a real deal. Stuck. She was with us. And, and about six months later, the FBI came looking for her <laughs> because <laughs> looking for all these because she'd laid all these bad checks down to pay for these rooms. She wasn't a marriage oh, person. My God. She was God. she was a stone fan. And it arranged this whole thing wow. so that she could be on on the bus with us and be close to me.
3: So she so she can't she played the whole played I have the, no
2: idea who you are bit. Totally. And I I, I was I, fooled up to the very end. And Dude. she's
3: actually paying for the she's rooms. She's paying for the
2: rooms with bad checks. And the FBI came looking for her, and I said, dude, I want to find this woman and have her work for me, because she is a freaking bomb.
3: <laughs> She's going to be my new tour manager. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, Rick, thank you, man. Yeah. That was absolutely awesome. I appreciate it. Let's do it again sometime, yeah. and, uh, and you're always welcome to come on. It's great to talk to you. Well, that was a lot of fun. Awesome to talk to Rick Springfield, and uh, also cool having Sammy Hagar on earlier. As I mentioned, those guys are connected, and we talked about that a little bit with Rick. All right, well. What a great one again this week and enjoy the rest of your holiday week everybody for those listening in the US 4th of July week is uh, of course what we're in the middle of and hope you guys enjoy it and again listen to me every day on Sirius XM channel 106 volume and watch me every Sunday night on Trunk Fest my brand new TV show covering music festivals on Access TV new episodes every Sunday night at 9:30 p.m. Eastern please watch please DVR I appreciate you doing so at Eddie trunk on twitter instagram and facebook eddytrunk.com trunk.com is the website katie irizari is the producer of the Eddie trunk podcast have a great week everybody
4: i'm john taffer you probably know me because i've rescued thousands of bars hundreds of them on tv that's your future broken i'm also a best-selling author and i've owned and operated a bunch of other businesses but now i'm here on podcast one with my new show no excuses i only yell at calls every tuesday i'm going to give it to you straight i'm giving you all things bar rescue insider peaks of what's going on on the set current events and topics you care about with in-your-face analysis and you know how straight I can be. And I'm going to have unforgettable guest interviews with the world's most interesting people and I'm going to ask them the questions that nobody else has ever asked them. And yes, sometimes I can be a bit of an ace but I'm going to shut it down every Tuesday and make no excuses. It's going to be the number one show here on Podcast One. Listen to it every Tuesday on PodcastOne.com on the Podcast One app and on Apple Podcasts. And remember, rate and review it or i'm going to shut you down
0: myrtle beach is the beach 60 miles of bright sand water and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night you can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent a place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around with nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.